Oh, yeah, you've never been here before, have you? Right. Right. Well, do you know the Course in Miracles? No. Uh, Course in Miracles, it's a, you can read about it if it interests you or not, but it's, a, it's an interesting text, let's put it that way. And uh, in the Course in Miracles, they have a chapter called I Need Do Nothing. I think that's the name of the chapter. And in that chapter, it describes like a lot of ways that people, quote-unquote, are trying to find the truth, you know? So there's the contemplative way, there's the meditative way, there's the devotional way. They don't go into all of them, but they use a few examples. And they say, you know, whatever way you are on is going to work because the mind can't be stopped. So if the mind, the mind, not your mind, the mind, is deciding to to live out the pantomime of becoming free, there's nothing in this realm that could stop that from happening. But what will occur is it may take a lot of time. So there are some methodologies that take like lifetimes. You know, you got to go through purification, you got to do this, you got to do that. And any one little false step puts you back like 30 squares. You know, <laughs> it's a very punitive path in a sense. And then there's other ways that may seem to get there a little closer. But the course not trumping its own horn, playing its own horn, said, well, if you run into this book, one of its main purposes is to save you time. Yeah? If you would just follow the instructions in this book, do the lessons, this and that, uh, it would probably get to where, it would, quote-unquote, get, get you to where you want to go much quicker. And he says, because every path, whatever path you're on, ultimately ends up at one point, one realization, which is, I need do nothing. It's a beautiful statement. I need do nothing. Yeah? So after all this doing and all this having, no matter how much or how little, usually part of the, the let's say, the translation of a realization is, I needed to do nothing. It's always been this way. There's nothing that could not be that. And there's nothing in a way that I can do to either erase it or to, to uh, polish it, in a sense. So... It's a, it's a very disarming hit, yeah? I need do nothing. Because the main uh, engine, one of the main engines of selfing is being the doer, yeah? obviously. Most of us are trained in our society to believe that if we do and have, we'll be. So the being becomes an effect from doing and having. Yeah? So I'm going to do and have, and then I'm going to make a being, a being. But in a way, being is first, and it has really nothing to do with doing and having, except as forms of expressing. See, being isn't produced by doing and having, because being is already complete and whole in itself, right? It's not in, it's not in an act of time trying to culminate or, or fulfill or complete something. It's already so. Yeah? That's why it has, there's no time involved in it. That's why it's timeless in a way, because it's complete. It takes time to do things, yeah? But in, in, in some space that has nothing to do, that time has no relevance in a way. And we're at that place. We're in a timeless state right now. Yet, our mind is engaged in an interpretation of this timeless, timeless state as a place of time. Yeah? So we make up calendars and days and this and that, and we feel like the passing of time. It's a very tactile experience. You sense like you're getting older, and it's, this is much. This moment is much different than a moment I had in the morning. But if you really broke it down to the bare essentials of the moment, there's no difference whatsoever. There's the awareness of every moment 
that is a moment has to have, have that awareness of to be a moment. Without the awareness of, there's no self-standing moment. Yeah, there's no thing called a moment that exists. It exists because there's consciousness being conscious of. Yeah? And that provides the opportunity for what you'd call a moment. Well, without that being conscious of, could you say, without you in a sense, could you say there's a moment? You could believe it. You could believe that when you die, there's everyone else is running around like crazy. But will you have evidence of it? Will you have evidence that everything continues on as if it's a, an inherent, solid entity in and of itself when the observer of it goes? I don't know. You know? So, in this idea that you need do nothing, why not start there? If you're going to end up there, Whatever path you take, if you're going to end up literally at a revelation that I need to do nothing, why not entertain it now? <laughs> why not? <laughs> like jump in front of the line, you know what I mean? Cut in. <laughs> Get a good seat at the movie. <laughs> why not? Oh, it's again, you know. You talk about morals, the moral of doing and having is extremely strong. The sense of the only way something comes to pass is if I do it or get it or have it. That's a very strong conditioning. It's much deeper than the morals you may have about cutting into a lion or, you know. You know what I mean? It's like a lot deeper. It's so deep you don't even notice it. It's sort of like the whole herd is, is, is controlled and directed by these unseen sort of you know, conditional things. And time is a huge one, yeah? So, we don't really value something unless it demands a doing and having. If something is all given to us, that's why a lot of people, no one comes to see them talk until they start charging a lot of money. Then people sign up for like $20,000 retreats. <laughs> because they believe money gives value, yeah? Where in, in Buddhism, they would say, you can't put any value on this message because, well, I'm jumping into saying this message, whatever. Whatever message they held as this message, because it's invaluable. You can't put a price tag on something that's invaluable. Yeah? So it's best if you can just put it out there, and if you need donations, go for donations. Yeah? So this idea of nothing, in a way, in our society, doesn't really have much value. If someone says, hey, come to this meeting, and you're going to leave with exactly what you came in with every time, you'd probably think you're getting shortchanged. Jesus, I wanted to get something tonight. You know? I didn't fucking get anything from that guy. Not going back there. How dare you give nothing. Where's the procedures? Where's the practices? Where's the uh, sign up for the five-year subscription? Where's the, you know, the secret handshake? Where's some kind of something I can do? Well... To be true to this message, the best thing to offer is nothing. And then watch your mind make it something. And see if that mind that makes it something is actually you. Or does it actually represent you. If it doesn't represent you, you won't be beholden to what it represents. How it interprets things, you'll be freed from the interpre interpretation of that. But you will never get freed from the interpretation as the interpreter. It's not gonna, it'll just morph into different interpretations. It'll always be self-centered. It'll always be either a very subtle or a very strong identification as a long-lasting separate independent entity with a sufficient amount of difference from everything else to make it special. Yeah. 
this is different than that. This, to me, it's much different than that. So, I remember when I got this, was invited to look at this thing this way. It's not a thing, but how can you say it, you know? And I saw how many, how many meanings my mind gave it for the first year or two. It made it something like every freaking second. It could not stand just seeing nothing or just leaving it alone. It always had to make it into something. Yeah, there's got to be more, but there isn't. It's simply that you may not be what you're taking yourself to be. And then what occurs is if you introduce that invitation in, it may start eroding this incredibly super steel-reinforced assumption because you're the steel that reinforces it. It has no legs to stand on its own. It's just We're just unbelievably living from so many assumptions that we never really look into, and we just assume that's what's so. And you don't understand, maybe you do, but that, that, those assumptions are giving a lot of the meaning to everything else. So you may just take that to be what's so, but it's also making everything else what's so. And if you're tired of living with all these things being the way they seem to be to you, maybe look at that. If that would shift, the meaning that was given to things would change. Yeah? Maybe the meaning of the value of life would be rooted in what you would call now instead of there and then. Maybe the sense of okayness wouldn't be a goal you're trying to achieve, but it would be a state you could recognize right now. Yeah? Not based on your circumstances, nor on your physical condition, nor on your mental state either. Yeah? There can be a point where the absolute reveals itself as an absolute, and then you can rest there through all the movements of this place, all the feeling connected, disconnected, this and that, and they have so much juicy goo. It's like so easy to your attention to be glued to it because they all represent or assume or infer that it's you that's going through all these little gymnastics. It's you that's having this blissful day only to be followed by a bummed out day. It's you going through this giant washer, yeah? I would say what brings you the experience of you is more you. And that's awareness. Yeah? And awareness is not of a body. The body is not being aware. The brain is not being aware. Awareness moves through this and facilitates an event, but it's not produced by the facilitator. That's my humble opinion. Yeah. So what is that that's always been there in every moment that I seem to have been in? Yeah? Now, my position in every moment could be so different, my mental position, but that one unblinking awareness never has shifted. Not once. It's always been there, consciousness. Conscious of the most painful events and conscious of the most beautiful events, yeah? Why would, how can a most painful event be even most painful? You'd have to have the acute clarity of what's seeing it. And having that clarity hijacked by the mental process to make exquisite suffering. How you'll go over every little detail of your seeming mistake, and you'll go over it and over it and over it. It's like an operation with the finest scalpel. What's, what's, what's sharpening that edge? It's not the event, it's the awareness. The awareness being hijacked by the mental process and thinking it's you. The mental process is, you're aware, and you know what? You're going to be extremely aware today of how other people see you. 
what you think other people see you as. You're going to be extremely conscious of that. (laughs) And it's going to be unbearable that you're going to do almost anything to get relief from that. You won't go to parties anymore because it's unbearable when I walk into that party to think I know how everyone's thinking about me like an object and that they don't like this object called Paul. When I'm looking for approval and attention, I believe, I preemptively believe there's going to be rejection. Fuck that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this. Fuck this. Let me just get high in my house. (laughs) I'll just rent some porno. Forget about it. Forget the girls. Give me virtual sex. I can have everything under control. (laughs) So I know this is a simple invitation. The invitation is not to find out what you are, because you can't but to see what you're not, because you are. You are the seeing of what you're not. You are not what thinks it can find out what it is. You are not that. You are not that crazy idea that the thought system can leave the source and then have an experience of the source as something other than the source. So to try to find out who you are from what you're not is pointless to me. But to see what you're not it's pretty good. Yeah. And in a way, that seeing of what you're not doesn't take any time to come to pass because every see, every day, basically, you're seeing what you're not. And hopefully, after seeing what you're not so much, the emphasis will move from what you're not because you will be finally entertained. Hey, I'm not that. And will go to what you are, which is the seeing of it. And then you will have find your, found yourself. Not as a place, not as a stationary thing, but as a verb called consciousness. As an awareness, as a verb called being. You'll finally leave the formatted way of knowing something by freezing it into a name and form, and you'll go with the flow of consciousness. And all the emphasis on all the things you become conscious of will still occur, but there'll be some of that emphasis on what's conscious. So... Instead of being so engaged in everything you see, so to the point where you don't see anymore, it turns into a form of looking called self-centeredness, yeah? to, there'll be an immunity to that total engagement with what you're not, and you'll start seeing, seeing. Yeah? And you'll start seeing what all that activity, which infers or points to a you. Yeah? But now what seeing is what it inevitably points to. It built a billboard in front of the scene with you with a happy face or a sad face and a body, and it started capturing all the attention and interest and sucking it into this billboard story of a life. But if you could just look, let it go a little more, it goes right through the billboard, and it's actually always going back to what you are, the scene. The attention, no matter how far it goes to be attentive to, no matter what it is, it always returns from to its source, which is the scene. Yeah? That's the only way what's not happening could ever even seem to be happening. It's not the mind, the conditional mind. It's the, it's the mind that gives it... It's like the movie isn't so good, it's the audience. Yeah? It's the mind believing something that makes it seem so juicily so. 
Because I'll tell you why, if that thing could fool you, then it could, would always fool you. If something fools you one day and doesn't fool you the next, then what is it? Is it something that can fool you or not fool you? It's neither. It's whatever the mind gives meaning to it. Yeah? So like Monday you have something, a problem. Tuesday it's not a problem. Wednesday it's a problem. Get what the fuck is it? Is it a problem or is it not a problem? It's neither. It's wherever you're at is giving it its meaning. If you're not in a good condition, that thing that would just be looked at as, yeah, is a big freaking problem. Yeah, you see it. Once you see it all, or not even all, if you just see a little bit of it, in every one of its movements, the principle is in it. It's like a hologram, you know? In a hologram, if it was breaking down, every piece has a, the whole image in it, Yeah. If you take a hologram, break it into a million pieces, each piece has the whole image in it. Well, the, the, the aspect of selfing in each one of its movements has the whole principle of selfing in it. Yeah? So you, and just like they used to say, you know, if you, if you really got one drop of water, you'd know the whole ocean. Yeah? So you get a sense, you can see it. It doesn't, it doesn't take years of study if you just see, oh, this, Mind gives everything all the meaning it has. Okay, that's pretty cool. Then you start seeing, just do this if you like. For two days, three days, write an inventory on what you did that day. No story, nothing. Just, I woke up, took a shower, yeah? Made some espresso, drank it. Made a couple of calls, da-da-da, yeah? Went to this, went here, that. And then, while you're writing that down, Try to compare it to the interpretation of the story the mind has over the same events, yeah? See the basic raw data of the day, and then see the mind's interpretation of that raw data. One day will show you the whole beast. One day of really looking at it will give you an indication of its whole theme. One day. And sometimes the disparity is unbelievable from actually what's happened and what was being thought about. <laughs> I mean, you, you realize your sense of disconnection isn't so far-fetched. You're totally disconnected from your life. We're living in an interpretation. You know? Something happens now, the conditional mind claims it, turns it into, goes into the memory bank, what does this remind me of? Oh, I have this! How did this immediately become that? It hasn't happened out here in what's happening. It only happens in what's not happening. So because you've had a history of, let's say, this ailment, one little thing reminds, oh, I've got the ailment again. But you actually don't have the ailment, but you live as if you do. Yeah? It's like preempting the disease by acting like you have the disease. This is what it does all day. In a way, there's certain like anger around it because it's like a giant ripoff. Something, some mental process has taken a life and ran away with it, and it doesn't. It just doesn't desire to live it. It desires to interpret it. It wants to make it into something. It wants to conceptualize it. It wants to stuff it into time and just go off. You know. Like John Coltrane riffing on an idea called separation. He could play an unbelievable tune about the source of love never being loved. I mean, absurd impossibilities become incredibly real here in this world of what's not happening. Yeah. What's the whole linchpin to that? This is what I found. Yeah. 
I did not study and got there. It, something happened to my mind, and I found out that this is how it translated what the, the, the information downloaded and then was made the best this mentality could do into an understanding and, and something that I can express and share with people. But an expression and, and something I understood conceptually didn't bring about this. This was always so. The mind just opened up. Yeah. So now the mind is seeking to see. For me, you really know what you call a problem from the solution. That's how you know it. The solution sees it super clearly. Now, in the problem, you can think you understand the problem, but like in recovery, it says self knowledge avails you nothing. That understanding isn't going to free you from the problem. You now have an understood problem, which is a big freaking problem. Yeah. Seriously. But in this this. This information downloading seeks to express, and so the things, some of the things that it revealed to me was, all right, the biggest movement of this activity of mind, the mental process called selfing, is the claim. That's its first movement. It claims everything. Because it doesn't have anything. It doesn't have a life. Yeah? So it claims it. So... In English, we, the word my gets close to what I'm feeling. So the word my is like the sense of ownership or the, being the proprietor thereof, yes? This is my. This is what it does. As soon as it's hijacked the life and made it its own, it immediately dismisses living and starts living an interpretation. That's what it does. It takes what's available and brings it into its own realm called the mental realm. And in the mental realm, this now is bookended by a past moment and a future moment. And the past moment and the future moment draw more attention out from the mind than the now does. So basically, we become unconscious to what's happening, and we become hyper-conscious to the thoughts about it, which are usually what's not happening. And it seems to happen in a way so slowly, it's sort of like a like a slow takeover, yeah? to the point where we go asleep in a way. We can never be asleep because we are awareness, but you can feel as if you go to sleep. Yeah? And in that sleep, in that sleep, when anything arrives in this here and now, it's not received usually, it's compared. Yes? It's compared, and the, the methodology of the problem tries to figure it out, which neuters every fucking thing. If you meet a new person, they're an old person very quickly. Everything gets neutered, yeah? And, it, and that way, it's real oomph of juice gets chilled out. It doesn't have at the impact it has the potential to bring, yeah? Because even the absence of this idea of being you, when the idea of being you rises again, it will claim the absence as an experience it's had. So it knows how to cover its tracks. You can have an incredible event of, of the absence of time, yes, and the relevance of space, and it could last, let's say, in, a, in time for an hour, three hours, thing, and yet at one point, maybe the thought system will arise and go, oh, I just had this incredible spiritual experience. At that point, its oomph has been totally hijacked. It's been neutered. It's been, like, what do they do with animal spade? Spade? Spade it. Yeah? It's been neutered. 
Yeah? Now it's put into the column, I know, which is the greatest defense to finding anything out. <laughs> it's pretty much dead. But that's how the conditional mind wants it. It wants it dead. If it shows any light, it just thinks about it until it's fucking dead, you know? Sometimes it takes one blow, sometimes it has to go over it a lot. But fine, usually it gets beaten into deadness in a way. It can be beaten into deadness, but it seems to be, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like when people go, something's bothering them, and they leave whatever's going on, because they want to go home and think about it, as if that's going to solve anything. That's like fucking... Pouring gas on a not even on a fire, it's just an ember. It's just the possibility you throw gas on it and it seems to be, oh, I've been dealing with this fire. It wasn't even a fire, it was just an ember you were kicking to start something, you know, the fire. And, oh, let me think, you know, jeez. <laughs> so there is a solution, there really is. From the solutions point of view, and I'm using the term problem solution. That's just a term just to express something. It doesn't mean it's so that way. But in this case, to, by, from the solution's view, the problem is inherently imaginary. That's the beauty of the solution. Yeah? And if it is imaginary, the problem, then what more do you need to do about it except realize it's imaginary? There's nothing more. If you did anything more, you'd be taking it to be real. Yeah? If you saw, woke up to something as imaginary, there would be the appropriate move would not to do anything. If you did something, it would give it the meaning of being real again, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, from the solution's point of view, the problem's imaginary. That's immediately out of time. Totally out of time. Yeah? You can feel it right in the room if it hits you. The problem's imaginary. It just, it, the whole in ignition of doing and having, yeah, just shut off. And then what you're left with is the presence, the presence of mind, yes? The emphasis is now on what's seeing, not what's being seen. Like I had this one email and it was talking about the thoughts and the thoughts about what's not happening are happening, Yes? The thoughts about what's not happening. So there's a thought happening now that contains conceptually the idea of time like a week from now. Yeah? Now, when selfing claims that thought as it's about me or mine, yeah, it now it's not about seeing the thought anymore. It's it's about what the thought provokes, yeah? In other words, the thought now incites the selfing yeah? To remember. To remember a fear it once seems thought it had in the past, a memory, this and that gets gets ignited, and then immediately the attention and interest to what's happening gets dismissed and you go into that realm of what's not happening. And you believe the only way you can get out of it is what actually promotes being more in it, which is the ladder of thought. You start thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking, and you try to soothe it with, well, I can't possibly have that condition, but... <laughs> and so, you believe you're trying to climb out of it with the only system you seem to be to have, which is the thought system that's being relied on, but that's actually being in it. 
The more you try to get out, that's more. That's the feeling of being in it. That's why it says in recovery, self can't get out of self. Yeah. So as soon as the self becomes the dominant uh, paradigm, which has to be of time, then the thought system, which is of time, can't be used to get it out of time. It's just going to get it into another time. Yeah. But timelessness can bring you out of time. And timelessness is always available at all time because it's not of time. So if you get a sense of that through a pause or through something, or the mind going an unspoken yes or an aha, that, that precedes the whole thought system. That aha doesn't come from uh, a thought as, as an effect of the thoughts. It comes before the thoughts occur. Yeah, It's like the mind hiccuping before the, the mental meal. Yeah? Or burping before the mental meal. It's oh, it's already it's already filled already. Yeah, it doesn't nothing has to be thought about. That I would say is getting closer in a way to what we are. Yeah. Instead of taking the train of thought, which takes our attention and interest to many locations that seem to be farther away from where we want to be. So much, you'll see, sometimes you'll see it. You'll see that your attention is going into what's not happening. And you'll throw, throw up a flimsy butt, but that just entails more into what's not happening. And you'll watch the incessant desire for the mind to go there. It's like that movie, uh, Austin Powers, when uh, Dr. Evil is playing around with his son, and his son wants to say something at a table, and every time his son tries to say, this, and his son, <laughs> He beats and he really frustrates the sun because he goes. He beats it. It's sort of like that when you watch it arising, trying to build that little train of self-will and go to all these local destinations, inevitably ending in hell. You know, <laughs> mental hell. And it doesn't have an infinite amount of starts. Yeah, it will lose oomph, and then what's left is what was always there. That pause. Yeah. And then your mind may get used to being in that pause, and then an immunity builds to taking all these little trips into nowhere. Yeah? And you locate it right here, and it becomes obvious the difference between what's happening and what's not happening. <laughs> it's not much of a confusion anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's quite easy to tell the difference between what's happening and what's not happening. What's not happening doesn't have the quality of what's happening, which is it's happening. It just doesn't have that quality. It can have thousands of qualities, but it never captures the quality of what's happening. Because there's evidence that it's not happening if you're looking, feeling, seeing, you know, smelling. <laughs> I mean, literally. I mean, what more of a solution do you want? Just the eyes to be able to see what's happening and what's not happening could save you a lot of trouble travel a whole lot lighter. Just with that, just with the idea of separating the mind from thoughts, you would travel a whole lot lighter. If you could separate thoughts from my thought, my thought is unbelievable. That's the, it's like a mobile distribution center. The my is just chock full of meaning. As soon as anything is claimed as mine, it, it distributes meaning to it. The conditional mind just downloads meaning to that thing. Be it a girlfriend, being financial security, being physical health, being this, being where I live, my roommates, whatever it may be. 
as soon as the mind is engaged there, you're going to get a giant wallop of the freaking interpretation. Yeah? And it's going to be taken to be real. So you're going to be wrestling with ghosts. You know, I know they're thinking bad about me. The fucking roommates don't think anything about you. <laughs> I'm positive while you sit in your room. I've got my little mental periscope. I can see what they're doing there. Having coffee in the kitchen, it looks very normal. But I know what they're up to. No, you fucking don't. Jesus Christ. <laughs> your mind's just going off. <laughs> the false owner can't whistle the attention back. What, what brings the attention back is source. Yeah? The sense of seeing brings the attention back because it's like that's its nature. It's the attention is its nature is no thingness. Yeah, it's attention. When it when this is taken to be the, the source of the attention, it's like a wild dog. It doesn't fucking listen to you. It just sniffs around all these little what not happening possibilities. Yeah, every compilation of thoughts is like a, shit, a dog shit. Pat, you know. It's, Come here, Fido, get away from there, fuck you. Yeah. But the attention, when sensed from that you're the seeing, they're of the same quality, no thingness. And that attention yeah, goes back there. Yeah. And know why? Because it attends primarily on the source of everything, which is the awareness. Then it has enough to attend to what's happening. Yeah? And it totally realizes. Any spending of attention in what's not happening is just like pissing in the wind, really. It's totally pointless. This doesn't, there's no you that gets this information. It goes over, it happens without the sense of you. It totally bypasses the you. And you know what happens, your little narrator? The best it can do is find out later. It just sees it over months and then starts trying to say, oh, I've been really wise lately. No, it's... It's nothing to do with the you that's moving up, the mental process that tries to claim the wisdom. The wisdom is just available because you're out, you're out of the ass of self now. That's all it is. I mean, it's not like you acquired a new position that all this energy is focusing on you and you're receiving all these special downloads. It's available at all times for anyone. As long as when the mind gets freed from the bondage of self, mind is available. Yeah? A whole new slew of possibilities get entertained. You don't have to read a book with all the new possibilities, like a chapter, right? I'm on chapter five, the possibility of okayness now. That, it downloads. You already, the possibility is like a living possibility. You don't read about it. You know it. You know that it's the way it is, yeah? You know that, in a sense, in a true sense, you outshine every situation, every circumstance that has ever happened, and ever and any and all feelings and thoughts about those circumstances and situations. What's what is so outshines everything. Yeah. And it's not like the mind finds a place to rest. The mind in movement is rest. Yeah? Like they say, in stillness, in movement there's stillness, and in stillness there's movement, yes? It's all like that. It's all like that. The mind can be going a million miles per hour, the mind, the mind, and yet it provokes an incredible stillness. Yeah? I don't mean the rat-like conditional mind. I mean mind. So, 
I felt a lot, a lot of things coincided with when this download occurred, and it was a hit that I was not back. I, and it was so uh, profound when I went back to Book of Recovery because I had done this these workshops on, that were primarily on this one chapter called How It Works, and I'd done them for years in AA. Yeah? So I had read these words many, many times, and I had shared about these words many, many times. I went back to the book, and the words had a whole new meaning. I mean, when I saw the word self, it meant something totally different. There had been a leap of mind when it came to understanding the idea of self. I mean, it was like the, the lens, the camera lens, had opened up where I had a whole different view of self and self-will and self-knowledge and all this stuff as a foreign installment or more like a parasitical tendency. Yeah. I didn't read about that. It came. It came and then from there on I could read it in the words that were being said. But they weren't those words. Yeah, I could, Because I could felt it. I felt I'd been, there had been a takeover or a possession in my life when I got when alcoholism became dominant. It wasn't always dominant. It started as an idea, yeah, when I was about six. But it grew in influence to where it had me so uncomfortable in my own skin since I was six on, and everything was being, was thought over. Every fucking thing. A feeling was never a feeling. It was always cut open and researched and analyzed. It was like... Everything was under review. Every freaking thing that came to pass, it was just so much unbelievable obsession with self. <laughs> and I had no idea what that was, what that was, you know. I had no idea, oh, that's obsession with self. I just thought it was the way it was. I can't get in your head. I can't, I don't know how you think, you know. I just took it to be, hey, I'm thinking, I, this must be the way thinking occurs, you yeah? But the thinking had been turned into a, a formatted system of self-centeredness. That I felt, now I'm the thinker of these thoughts. And then when I was young, I didn't have bad or good. Now everything was bad and good. Everything had meaning. Yeah? Almost like a puritanical fucking, you know, stick up your ass type meaning. You know, very fucking weird. You know? <laughs> Every time I did something I liked, I had to get punished for it somehow. <laughs> it just couldn't be, I could enjoy myself. I could only enjoy myself with the threat of punishment, you know. So it was just a weird little going on. And I, there was no way out. There was no way out as that, yeah. The way out is I'm not that. You know, I dabbled in a little therapy, forget about it. I would have had to go into like 60 years, have the person live with me, you know, four sessions a day. <laughs> it still wouldn't have made a dent. You know, if I got over my family of origin problems, I'd, I'd have my Martian family of origin problems. The mind can make up shit all day. <laughs> it doesn't have any, there's no reality for its neuroses. It can make up a neuroses at a drop of a hat and give a historical feel to it. I've always been this way. <laughs> I'm telling you. So, <laughs> there is a solution, though. Maybe start with, hey, if I can't even shit when I want to, if I'm not what's pumping the blood in my body, it doesn't seem like I have control over that. I'm not beating the heart, yeah? I'm not uh, digesting any of the food I ate earlier today, am I? I'm not, you know, supervising the digestion, yes? 
then how could I possibly lead to the idea that I'm the thinker of this very subtle process of the brain, the brain, you know? This subtle process called thinking, how could I fucking believe that I'm the thinker of that when I can't even do the grosser movements of the body, yeah? I mean, that's a big leap to believe I'm thinking this incredible subtle event called thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I can't even shit when I want to. I mean, come on. I don't know. I just think these questions are pretty good. <laughs> because once you start looking at these assumptions with a little bit of suspicion, they fall apart under any kind of uh, inquiry. Yeah? What happens when a system falls apart and another system takes its place? Yeah? Let's say another modality of mind, once the attention and interest realizes this is a failed system, it's going to seek another modality of mind. And maybe that modality it finds may not be failed. Yeah? That's what we do in AA. We admit to, our, to ourselves that, hey, why do we have so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? So perhaps there's a better way. Instead of trusting something finite, which is this idea of self, we're going to trust something infinite. And we're going to move across this line to lead the finite to the infinite. Yeah? So like, when my life is planted in this pot, it's very small, it doesn't have good soil, it doesn't get much light and not much water. So, though I have the potential to bloom, I never bloom in this pot. Yeah? And let's say I have self-centeredness, so I'm blaming myself for not blooming. You know, um, Something's wrong with me. No, it isn't. It's the pot. You don't have enough fucking soil. You don't have the things that will allow you to blossom. Yeah? So now we're being moved to another pot, which is relying on something infinite. Yeah? planning ourselves there, and see what happens. In AA, you see some of the greatest demonstrations in the world, from someone who looked like a down-and-out, hopeless drug addict, becomes an unbelievable benefit to many people. What happened? He was potentially that, and he's potentially this, and that is where his mind is resting. They say the problem is obsession with self. I'm saying it's identification as a self. Yeah? Because I've watched a lot of people leave this failed system, but as the failed system. And when they arrived to, at the promised land, it started to take a look at like the same place they were. <laughs> so like you drop an alcoholic into heaven, it's hell in a day. <laughs> you know? because, but if I'm not that, then when my mind does leave it, it can leave it. And when there's a breaking of that it's you, there's no fondness for it or remorse, and you don't look back. Bye-bye. <laughs> you know, oh, you don't get fooled by the little sirens of Ulysses. Oh, Paul, wait for me. I want to be there when it gets good. No, no, no. <laughs> so, I found if you don't particularly like the effects and the meaning that are being given in self-centeredness, question the center of the system, self. Yeah. Instead of trying to deal with its effects, why not look at what's causing it to look like this? Not what it looks like, because that's a perceptual trick. But what's causing it, to, that perceptual trick to be taken to be real? Self-centeredness. Yeah. So if I'm not that, what would happen? The quality of being centered could shift from self-centeredness and land in centeredness. And you may find centeredness is a lot more uh, compatible with what you really are than self-centeredness. Self-centeredness to me is very claustrophobic, right? Very claustrophobic. 
But in sinness, you feel larger, and your mind can roam. You become like a free-range alcoholic. You get to be a free-range mind. <laughs> you have a lot of space. Yeah, you do really. You're let out, really let out, and you can entertain possibilities like you're okay now. Yeah. Yeah. And if you entertain the idea or the sense of being of being you'll realize that it's not of time because it's not in any act of completion. It's already so. It's contextual. It's always, always, always already so. So it's not playing that game. So the solution is immediate because it's not of time. And it's always available at all times, right where you are. I mean, in a sense, if you could call that love, if it could be the dream of being in a problem, then love would override it by constantly being available to what thinks it's, it is in the problem. That would be the solution. Always available at all times, right where the seeming problem is. Yeah. That, to me, is love, really. Yeah. So, I think in recovery, I don't know if this is so, but I think it says, we, we're not people who have problems, we are the problem, yeah? I think so. I think in one part of the book, I hope so. This, my whole basis of this talk is on that idea, so I may have changed the book of AA, but I don't think so. <laughs> if I did, forgive me. So. The point's valid, I believe. So let's say the problem is you. Yeah. Then basically, it, that hopeless state of mind and body is a hopeless state of mind and body. Yeah. Now in AA it says we are 100 people, 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. So you play a big role if something seems hopeless or doesn't. Yeah? You give it the meaning. Yeah? Yeah? So, alright. So in identification as self, that's the closest you could get to explaining why you're the problem. Right? If you were identified with the problem, the feeling would be you're the problem. Yeah? Yeah. And in that, where the solution would be is you're not that. Yeah? And if you're not the problem, when the mind is taken out of that little lock, it entertains, I can be free of that. Because now it's not taking itself to be that. If the mind takes itself to be that, it can't leave it. Yeah? Because it believes it's that. Yeah? This isn't a stationary place. It's a movement of mind called selfing. So wherever you seem to go, it will be there. Through identification as. Yeah? So wherever you go, the problem still is you. But the solution is the same place. You're not that. Yeah? You are not the problem. That's when the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body is seen just to be not so. And you see all these people getting recovered and everything like that. Tons of evidence. Something shifted, yeah? So for me, the real relief comes from getting the correct diagnosis, which is, I'm not that. Yeah? Because if, if there wasn't a hint of that identification as, he would have kept saying, you have a problem. Yeah? You have a problem called alcoholism. You have a problem with drinking and using. You have a problem with your ex-wife. You have a problem. And that would be a valid statement. But he went past there. See, like when I did coke, I loved coke, but I never became coke. Cocaine. I never. Not one moment when I was doing coke did I actually think I was cocaine. There was always a sense I was someone doing coke. Yeah? 
So my obsession in this life, I'd never seen it more obsessed and gone longer than that obsession concerning Coke. I mean, it went us pretty damn far, my obsession with Coke, yeah? But it never reached a point where identification as took place. We're already starting at the identification as point, you know what I mean? We believe this is a new day, it ain't a new day. <laughs> we're like, we're, we're trying to wake up at square 12, in a sense, and sort of retrace the steps, because we're not at square one, in a way. We are, actually, because we're not that. But the idea of taking yourself to be you is way down the pike. It's already, the selfie has produced its product, the feeling of being a you. <laughs> you know, ooh. So we like to just check it out. So question, is that so? If that's not so, the, the 12 imaginary squares get erased and you're right back to where you always were. Yeah? But not as a self. You know what I mean? Not as a self. Because you never were a self. So I believe this, the diagnosis is identification as self. Yeah? And if you hold it, I think it's going to bear a lot of good fruit for you. Seriously. While you're trucking around. If you can entertain the possibility of it, I think it could really uh, bring about a, a lightening of the load. Yeah. But not for you. <laughs> so if you want to get it, it ain't, no, no. See, every time you offer the candy, you see who comes. Nope, 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 nope. And then one time the candy's offered, no one moves, that's it. You got it, see? Yeah, the candy is an outside of you. You are the candy. You're just seeing it out there as a something, but you are the candy. Yeah, just like that old story with God's door. Sonny's heard it tons of times. Heaven's door? Oh, yeah, I've heard it tons of times. So here's Heaven's door. I uh, have an urge to go to Heaven, you know? It's a nice urge. I feel very noble about it. So I knock on the door. God opens the door, and it takes no time. <laughs> Heaven, there's no time. The door swings open. There he is. How did you get here so fast? And he goes, and I go, hey, can I, can I come in? And he looks right at me, and he goes, Paul can't come in. So I get pissed off. Fuck, jeez. So I put it upon myself. i got to get better. So I go back out and practice really diligently and get robes, you know, patchouli oil. <laughs> practice my loving gaze and beads and, and say the 800 names of God, you know. Or whatever. And I'm thinking, all right, I got a good resume. So. Cool. It's very, it's always makes, it's very uncanny. It always makes me feel weird when he just opens the door. I thought maybe God was somewhere else, but he's not there. Fuck, every time. How did he get there so fast? <laughs> and I go, hey, can I come in? I've got my bags packed, you know, with heaven, you know, forward to heaven, they're coming more. And he says, no, Paul can't come in. So I fuck up, you know, I'm pissed off. I get really disappointed now. So then I go act out. I go crazy, get loaded. Fuck God, I can't stand. I don't want to be in heaven. I'm going to make hell, heaven hell. <laughs> hell heaven, whatever. Party, and then life kicks the shit out of me, and I get washed up on the shores near the God's door, and something happens. My mind shifts. And I walk right to the door, knock on the door, and now it doesn't surprise me. God's right there. And I go, I go, can I come in? And God looks right at me and says, Paul can't come in. And I walk right in. He was, he was just stating a fact. Paul, Steve, Mary. Any identification as something that you're not can't enter heaven. Yeah? When I was taking it personally, I thought I was prohibited. As soon as I realized I wasn't that Paul, I walked right in. 
There was no requirements necessary. Yeah? But as long as there was an identification as that thing isn't going to be able to go to where you'd really like to be, maybe. And uh, it's prohibited. Yeah? So, that's sort of what it's like. You can entertain some possibilities, just like, look at the thought system during the day. See, uh, just maybe look at where, what is the thought in my thoughts? What value, where's the value going in my thoughts? Is it going to the past and the future more than now? And if you, if it is, maybe say, well, what is that? You know, I would think that's a suspicious little revelation. All right, and then where do the thoughts usually take me into what's not happening? Yeah? They're usually not about embellishing or increasing the sense of being here. They're about bringing you to bear and then, yeah? Aren't they? It's okay. All right, so the thoughts don't really care much about now. They always want me to go there and then, yet I can't escape from now. But for all intents and purposes, I don't seem to be here. But the solution is I can't escape from you. So the idea of getting into the moment is really based on the belief I could be out of the moment, which I can't possibly be. And the desire to get out of self, which has never really radically worked, and I believe why, is because you can't actually be in self. You can appear to be and be obsessed with it, but you can't actually be a self. So any attempts to get out of it would just give it credence. Just like every attempt to think you can get more into the moment would give credence to the idea, which is totally absurd, absurd that you could be out of the moment. So you start looking at it, see the assumptions. They're unbelievably outrageous. Yeah? And yet, they're the starting point for most of our days. And they're very rarely questioned. And yet they have a huge influence about how things are seen and how things seem to go. Yeah? Huge. Huge. Yeah? These, these, what's happening here is just echoes of this little sound chamber. Yeah? If you like relief from this, look there. Yeah? If, the, if where the meaning is being given from shifts, you may get a whole new slew of meaning to life. Yeah? New meanings for you, new meanings for you, new meanings to time, new meanings to value, new meanings to everything, yeah? And your ability to respond is there, so now you'll just respond to new meanings that have been given to life. And those responses, instead of provoking anxiety, may provoke an ease and comfort in your own skin, yeah? You realize, there's no way I can get out, so why am I trying to get out so much? And there's no way I can be more in, so why am I trying to get in? And just realize, there it is. Yeah. Very close to the edge of trying to be a help right now. I kind of cease going there. That's it. It's not my nature to be a help to people.